One year, I kind of got an idea. You almost try trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the furball. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. There's structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon ads. Information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because we're ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got very bush of sand and dirt, you got bog they started talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't know, get them better. Trying to set predator traps and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it gets sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Hello and welcome to the Trapping Today podcast. I am your host, Jeremiah Wood. I'm not in the fur shed today. It's way too cold in there. I didn't get a good fire going. But uh, thanks so much for tuning in. It's great to have you guys here. We are brought to you by Cots Brothers Tours. K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. You can find them at their website, cotsbrothers.com, and you can find the books, DVDs, dates, lures, traps, everything you need to get going on the line. We're also brought to you by Fur Harvesters Auction, where the world comes to buy wild fur. Fur Harvesters is the remaining auction house in the wild fur industry. Those guys are trappers. They're working hard to get your fur in front of as many buyers as possible. And there's just a few more weeks to get your fur to them for the March auction. So uh, check them out at furharvesters.com and figure out where you need to go to get your fur into that auction. And uh, try and try and do your best to get your fur in front of as many buyers as possible and get the best price that you can. Because it, as we all know, it's not a spectacular fur market, so we need to do what we can to try and get the best price possible. And that being said, I actually just... Uh, was looking at a Russian sable auction at Saga Furs was putting on. They're selling some farmed sable from Russia as part of their uh, ranch fur auctions. And the prices are not spectacular. So uh, I ju- actually just took some of the Martin that I caught this year and vacuum sealed them and, and put them in the freezer. And that's what I'm going to do for now, just kind of see how things play out at the FHA auction. Our coyote market is doing really good, so I do intend to send all my coyotes to auction uh, right away. But there, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in, in other furs. I think coyote, muskrat, beaver, probably nothing's going to change. A guy might as well just send them. Um, but some of the other furs, like like Martin and Fisher, is really hard to tell what's going to go on because they're they're subject to... Uh, quite a bit of fluctuation because they're they're very have very limited markets so anyway it's always good to think about those things when marketing fur another thing with cots bros is you have uh, from the time this airs you got about a week and a half to take advantage of a little discount they're giving five dollars off if you go to the website make an order and enter the code wood5 w-o-o-d-5 at checkout, you'll get five bucks off your your order. So just a quick five dollars, and you don't have to do anything extra except type those five uh, characters into the uh, field at checkout. So um, check that. Uh, take advantage of that if you uh, have some supplies that you need, or you you know you you want to make an order. Uh, go ahead and do that and take advantage of the free five bucks. It'll help cut down the shipping cost, if nothing else. Speaking of furs, uh, I have a few tan furs left to sell. I have, I think, two couple of Martin pelts and one or two tan Fisher pelts to sell. So if you are interested in getting a tan fur, those are from my trap line last year. Uh, send me an email, jrodwood at gmail.com, J-R-O-D-W-O-O-D at gmail.com, 
and let me know if you're interested and we'll see if we can get you hooked up with one of those um, book lure got everything in stock ready to go thank you to Gary in New York I just before I sit down to record this I see that Gary bought a not only did he buy fur profit uh, trapper's guide to the modern fur market but he also bought a bottle of trapping today long distance call lure so that was pretty awesome great to see um, thanks for your support guys awesome uh, having you along for the journey uh, we are a good way through trapping season now but there's a lot to go got a lot of guys that I've been talking to about interviews and getting people on the show I like the idea of having uh, having people that you've heard about but also having people that you've never heard about just average guys that listen to the show and uh, have unique experiences on the trap line and we're going to have a few more of those here coming up but uh, tonight's episode we have the second part of our interview with Will from Ohio uh, Will is uh, in a, a seasoned trapper uh, he mostly traps coyotes and coons and I'm excited to uh, listen in have you listen in to more of our conversation so let's get into it Actually, right now, the coyotes have moved a lot, um, but it's primarily because the deer have moved to their winter yards. Um, mm, the, yeah. We get so much snow, the deer yard up in small areas, um, and actually, they, they go to town um, in most places up here in the northern part of the state. And so the coyotes are actually moving into town and following the deer, and they're, they kind of congregate in much larger groups this time of year. So it's it just yeah. kind of throws that whole idea off. And then, of course, you're, you're quite a ways to breeding season still. Yeah. I think I will. see, like, for us, we won't really have a real good snow. It snowed today, but it was just dusting. But we won't really have a real good accumulation of snow that stays until usually, like, the later part of January. Oh, okay. up to March. Wow. Wow. And so that's our time of everything pretty much gets shut down yeah you know after the new year once we get a snow on i know it's there for good and we'll end up starting hunting them instead of trying to trap them now can you guys use uh snares or cable restraints there yes we can and do you do uh, any of that they have, they have i do not no i have a buddy of mine that he started last year he did it for a long time and quit and then started doing it again he started bringing me coyotes I think he brought me nine in a week <laughs> and he was just trapping right there at his house. And, uh, I, I went in a couple dozen snares at one of the, uh, OSTA banquet and I ended up giving him the snares for him. I said, what do you want for them coyotes? I don't want nothing for him. Well, the way I am, you're going to get something. Yeah. So I ended up giving him two dozen snares. So, well, hopefully you can use them. Uh, I've never been a snare guy. Uh, there's a lot of beagle guys up here and hounds, you know, coon hunting's real big up here. And there's so many deer. Like I did for, oh, back in high school, I did a little bit on coon trails and stuff like that. But it's just so much of a hassle, you know, them getting knocked down every day. And I, and it's probably me because I just didn't know what I was doing. And I kind of just got away from it. And, you know, I'm, I'm strictly just leg irons and, for the most part yeah yeah and that makes sense if you have a good window that where you can use footholds then that you know that good go do it but you know if yeah. you have i'm just i'm thinking you know we have we a lot of times have like this season we only had about a 10 day window um yeah. and and after that everything you know we got a foot of snow and then we had we had a little bit of freeze thaw and then we got another foot of snow and we're pretty much done so uh, that would be that would, make it, that would make it tough. Yeah, yeah. You you know, in our of course our season uh, starts mid October. Uh, it started the twentieth of October this year, um, and and the reason for that is that that two weeks before the general trapping season is oftentimes that's the only good window you have to set to trap for coyotes. That's crazy. And it's before yeah. we, we get that just before deer season starts too. So that yeah that helps us as well. But but man it. It is, I can't imagine, you know, trying to, trying to keep traps running with that snow going, uh, constantly just, I, I've seen the, the, uh, 
back when I started trapping, I was watching those Tom Miranda fur fishing game videos. Yeah, yeah. He had, I don't know if you ever seen the one where he was showing how to make a set in the snow. And, uh, I probably have. And, I have them videos somewhere. Yeah, basically it's just dig and dig and dig until you hit the dirt and then take an axe and start chopping at the dirt. <laughs> That's way too much work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah if sure. you're only running one or five and or five traps total and it'd take you all day to do it. Yeah. Yeah, or if you're trapping for a living full time and and the coyotes are paying, you know, a, a full day or two day salary, then great. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah they, you know, we, you know, I've I've got to the point that when it gets super cold and the ground gets hard and we get some snow down, but we have a pretty good like two week window where we're not going to get any snow and we got say four inches on the ground. Yeah, I'll go clear a spot out and then antifreeze it. Okay. Where I want to put my trap and let the antifreeze set for about two days. And then I'll come in and, and you can dig your dirt hole there or your uh, trap bed then. And then, you know, antifreeze underneath and, you know, wax dirt over top. And it'll it'll stay as long as I can get stakes in the ground. Yeah. That's a huge – I run chain stakes, and that's a huge thing up here. Yeah. Once it gets so late, you can't get you can't get them in the ground. Are you running like uh, wolf fangs or some other? Earth uh, the Minnesota Super Stakes yep. on chains. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I did that strictly for theft. Uh, that was the only reason I I loved rebar, and I still have a pile of rebar stakes. And but the only reason I went to the chain stakes is for theft. You know, I had to have somebody come shoot my coyote, throw the coyote off the side and pull my trap out of the ground and leave. Oh, that's, oh, jeez. And anybody that knows anything about Minnesota brand traps, they're not cheap. Right. And once I kind of developed into, I'm going to start running these, you know, higher end traps. So I got $30 a piece, $35 a piece in a trap. You know, I got a, it's my insurance policy on my traps Yeah. to chain them in the ground. Yeah, and you don't you don't have uh, guys running around with with J hook tools or anything, so they probably no. start yanking on that and they go, oh, "It's not worth it." I I actually had a guy last year tell me it was right after gun law, and I'd set all my traps off. They were still there, just set off. And I had a guy come up and tell me like the week after, they say, "Hey man, I don't know how you got that trap in the ground. You cannot pull that thing up." Oh jeez, I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> Oh. He's like, yeah, we tried. We there were a couple of us tried. We couldn't get that thing out of the ground. Oh my! Wow. And they they know me. And they know me personally. Like I've known them my whole life. And it, like really didn't even phase them. Like no. Jeez. And you know, b- back in the day, you know, say ten years ago, when I was still using rebar, the second you catch a coyote and there's snow on the ground, if you don't check them twice a day, you know, sometimes in the middle of the night. Uh, snowmobiles they'll just wreck the coyote and take everything coyote trap and all hmm. and so they you know chain stakes are where it's at for theft yeah yeah now uh you said you said something about bedding having a hard time bedding in wax dirt yeah is because I, I didn't have that trouble and i'm wondering if it's because my you know i used i made my wax dirt with more of like a sandy dirt material yeah see I, I i use dirt right there i get at the farm yeah. i'll go right out the back door and the ground gets worked or something earlier in the fall or in the spring i you know i like to do it in the summer but sometimes i can't do it and sometimes i get lazy and don't do it which is most of the reason <laughs> yeah. i'm just lazy and don't want to do it because it's a pain to make it yeah and uh but yeah i just use regular dirt and it's so powdery and find so you're finding that, that it's just kind of pushes it as you push your trap down into it it just kind of just pushes well, itself like off to the, the side way, the way i set you know i'll bet it good into into the existing dirt as best as i can you know where it's solid yeah and then we get everything up on top and i use my hands and really shove all that dirt down on top mm-hmm. once it's bedded to get try to get everything as tight as i can but you you know i'm 
almost six four, two fifty, 250, and I put all my force on it, and then I can take my finger and poke, and it'll poke right through, right through everything. Really? Well, it just doesn't get... It just Yeah, it just doesn't... It can't pack because it's so slick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's just nothing you can do about it, but I've never really had a trouble with it because of that, unless you get a skunk or something walk through or a coon, and they step on it where the trap doesn't fire because they don't weigh enough. Yeah. And then they feel all that dirt give, and then instantly they're like, oh, what's in here? And then they start yes. digging. Sure, yeah. Yeah. But, of course, and I, I think I heard this on one of your podcasts, that no matter how much dirt you make, you never have enough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you have, how do you make your dirt? Uh, I do it in a cement mixer. Yeah. With, uh, like, a turkey fryer underneath it okay to heat everything up yeah and i'll dump it out let it cool and then put it in buckets i made 15 five gallon buckets last year and i was out of dirt within like three weeks yeah <laughs> it's amazing like and it's probably because i thought to myself you know i got 15 five gallon buckets i got plenty right so you just used and, it yeah and i just use the crap out of it and then i'm out of it when I actually really need it, yeah, you know, making remakes and I don't have any wax dirt to use a re- uh, on the remake. And, mm-hmm. and that's but a, I, a stressful place to be when you yeah. see you're getting short on dirt. You know, I, I was finding I could do, I could do a dozen sets on a five gallon pail. Um, but I started getting low and I was like looking around, I got to find an anthill somewhere on the side of the road. I was looking for yeah. like blown down trees and getting under the roots and trying to get some dry dirt. When I, a couple two years ago I, I ran in i ran out of dirt and i went into an old barn it was over by our farm and there's hadn't been livestock in it in years i mean 20 years and i made got in there got some dry dirt made some that way and i don't know if there was odor in that dirt from motor oil or diesel fuel or cats or feral cats but that was the worst batch of dirt I ever, ever made in my life. Really? And I will never dig dirt out of a barn ever again. Hmm. Yeah, I, it, I don't think I had a single catch with using that dirt. And were, it was all... Were they digging? Digging. Yeah. Everything got dug out. And these were the same traps. That, you know, they've been in the ground three weeks and never had a trouble with it. And then, you know, something happens and you pull a trap and move it somewhere else and then you have the guessing game of, well, did I touch it? Did I have something on my gloves or, you know, was it my dirt? Was it my, you know, you know how it is. Yes. You just second guess yourself the whole time. And But I will never get dirt out of a barn ever again. Yeah. Which I, you know, the only thing I can pinpoint is there was some type of odor in that dirt that a human can't smell, but the good old coyotes can. Yeah, he's, he's got a good nose. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it, on that note, too, I use screen cover, screen paint covers. Okay, I was going to ask you about that. So, you like aluminum? Uh, no, it's like that fiber. Fiberglass. Fiber, fiberglass, yeah. Okay, yeah. And uh, I, just in the last two years, have been extremely careful on where those go. You know, I carry bags, you know, the trap line bags, and all my traps are ran out of my truck all the time. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not in my truck, I'm in my side-by-side. You know, I don't have to walk to anything. And I'm really careful lately on where my pan covers are. You know, they're not in any bag that had lure in it ever. Because, you know, years past, I've had issues with it never failed. You put a pan and that pan covers out and trap gets flipped over and... Again, you're second guessing yourself on what it was. Yeah, yeah. but I'm, I'm extremely careful with it. They have their own container that rides in the bed of my truck the whole time, like a Rubbermaid little container. And the only time that it gets open is when I need one. Yeah, and you know, coyotes are an amazing animal, and they can smell amazingly more than anything I've ever experienced. For sure. So, yeah. yeah. So, does that stuff, is that hard? Can you bend it? Does it pretty rigid or 
flexible? It, it's not. It's not rigid at all. It's pretty flimsy. Um, it, it's about like a piece of paper, really. Yeah. Like you hold one end of it, it's gonna fall. Like okay. It, it's really flimsy, and I did try the aluminum ones for a while that you had to bend and pre-bend. Mm-hmm. But running MB six fifties, there's not a lot of room. It had to be exactly perfect or you're getting a hump and you couldn't get rid of the hump and yes yeah and because there's no room inside them jaws between the base plates and then your your uh dogs are holding the jaws down and then your pan is so big and there's just no room to you know get a good aluminum pan cover down in it yeah i've never used underalls i know a lot of people do and a lot of people love them I've never even seen an underall on my line. Like, I wouldn't even know what what to even do with it. <laughs> yeah, I experimented. I used the aluminum screen and I used the polyfill, and I'm not really sure what I what I like better. Um, actually, I think what I like better is just a big pan with no pan cover. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm probably going to do a little bit more of that. A little add on. Are you talking like expand the pans? Yeah. 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 Some something that there's another guy that uh, sent me some pans that are they're not expanded pans, but they're the same concept. Um, yeah. For those five fifties, and and I did well with them. So uh, I I just like the idea of not having to worry about that bubble up and and then try to cover that up or you know you're spending every every second you're there trying to fix that is is time you could yeah. be spending setting another trap. And I, I got a question for you about this. You said the polyfill or the underall, yeah. whatever you want to call it. In a condition, you know, Southern guys can probably get away with it. The way I look at it, and I don't know, this is why I'm asking you. Say that is underneath your pan and you have some rain. And then it comes through and freezes. Is that going to be a lot more rigid if it gets wet and it freezes? Uh so the it's not supposed to retain any water. Um, okay. It, it's kind of it that poly material just kind of shed, it sheds water really well. So okay. I, I'm trying to think. I didn't have a case where. Um, see, I pulled before we froze up. But we got a lot of rain, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I didn't have a case where I could have tested that. But I I don't think just based on you know when you pull them out even after a rain. They, they just, the water just sheds right off of them. So I, uh, I don't think that you could freeze one. You, I guess we could test it. <laughs> you could dunk one in yeah. water and put it outside and, and uh, see if it froze hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was like me just thinking about it, like thinking if it gets any water on it at all or if it absorbs any bit of moisture and you're dealing with 15-degree weather, you know, your, your three pound pan pressure is going to be nine pounds then. Yeah. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. But that's yeah. That's the only reason I've, I've never even tried them. I, I had the issues I had with the rain, of course, was, was just the, the whole trap bed just got so soaked in water that, that, that it was just like there was a it was a bridge, you know. They the kayaks mm-hmm. were stepping right on top of the trap pan, and uh, and and they weren't they weren't firing the trap. Huh. That's the. Uh, and I'm guessing that a lot of that is just you know not having wax dirt at those sets. Now, do you use drain holes? Yeah, I tried it actually. I watched you and Chris's video. And uh, Chris had talked about the drain hole, so I thought, I'm going to do this. And our soil is just, in, in the woods there, is just so poorly drained that I could not, yeah. even when I put drain holes in, they just, er, everything filled right up with water. That's crazy. And then yeah, like, I'd, I'd, I'd have a full trap bed, and then I started pounding three, four holes in just to try to get the water out of the trap bed. And probably a third of the time that would work, and the rest of the time it would just, it, it would, the water would just sit there. <laughs> yeah, we I like that one good thing up here, our drainage, especially in agricultural stuff, the drainage is so good that you know, if you get give it enough area to get rid of some water, 
you don't really have to deal with the pooling. Yeah. Um, and if it does pull, it's only going to pull for a very little while before it drains off. Um, I know Chris, when he was up here, I, the first trap I did, you know, I, I drove that, uh, chain stake in and pulled it out and drove another hole. He's like, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> but, you know, so that's like a standard that, practice for you. You, you pound in a drain hole on every one of your, your trap beds. Yes. Every single one. Yeah. It, it, even, even this time of year, it's cold. I still do it. Just, I think it's just out of habit anymore. Yeah. Um, but I know I look at our weather and it's going to be getting up to 30, some mid thirties later in the week. And I know next week it's supposed to drop down cold again and they're calling for snow for a couple of days. And, but it's just this time, you know, our December's, you know, we're experiencing some nights are getting down 10 degrees and then the next night only be 30 and then 50 degrees in the middle of the day. And then the next day might be 20 and, there's so much freezing and thawing going on that if you try to collect, if you don't try to get rid of your water, you're, you're, you're shut out. You, yeah. you can't, you're, you're done. No matter what you do, but it still happens as much as you don't want it to. <laughs> you just hope a certain percentage of your sets are still working. Yeah. 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 And, like, it was amazing. I went down to South Carolina a couple of years ago and trapped in outside Greenville, South Carolina. Kind of, like, mountainous. Yeah. What brought you down Hill. there? I have a buddy that lives down there. and Yeah. He traps, and I went down there with him. And uh, it's real hilly, and it's timber ground, and there's not any agriculture at all the area we were at. And uh, it's just so much different. The dirt and the rocks and stuff I wasn't used to and gray fox don't even get me started on gray fox like we don't have them up home you don't and huh. and <laughs> I get down there and first two days I experience a tricky old gray fox and <laughs> makes me pick my brain for half a week try to figure out how to catch him yeah but no we don't have gray fox up here there is some southern Ohio uh, down on some of the timber ground where it gets a little more rolly. Mm -hmm. Up where I'm at, it's you can see for two miles every direction. Yeah. yeah. And it's not really their habitat. No, no, not at all. But I'm glad our red fox are starting to make a comeback. And yeah, you think that's because you're pounding on the coyotes pretty good? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I know this spring I found like four different groups that had pups. You know, they love having pups in the culvert pipes under the road. Oh, yeah. Love it. And, you know, you always get the ones on the state state, state routes, and you just know for a fact all them pups are going to die. Yeah. Because they'll get hit on the road. And But I found there was one that actually had pups right down the road for me, and, you know, great all summer watching them pups grow. And I'd shoot groundhogs and take them down there to them and throw them and feed them <laughs> so they weren't laying out in the field. Well, that's good. But I, you know, I think there's so much more in the whole United States. There's so much more push for coyotes. Everybody wants to, you know, either hunt them, run dogs on them, trap them, and uh, I think it's it's making a huge impact. But it's not eliminating a problem. Yeah. But right. it's actually allowing some of the other animals to come back in and you know, start over where they were, where they were to begin with. Right. Before, cause I, I mean, I imagine, you know, 50 years ago, you probably didn't have the coyotes you have there now. No, no. My, my great grandpa always said like, he never even saw a coyote until like, it was like the early eighties. Yeah. And they saw a coyote and they were, it would almost make the newspaper, you know? Right. Because it is one thing up here. And then the same with the bobcats. We had bobcats, 30, 40 years ago, everywhere up here. And they pretty much got wiped out and they started reintroducing them. And now we have a bobcat season in Southern Ohio mm -hmm. in parts, which is great. You know, I'm, I'm, I get trail cam photos of one every now and again on some of our deer farms and I'm excited to see them. And I hope I don't catch them just because I don't want to risk 
anything on them. But uh, the high division wildlife has done wonders on the bobcats, bringing them back, and well, it's great to see we actually have a season on them now. Yeah, that's yeah, that's good. It, it it's amazing to you know all these states, all these eastern states, how how the coyote migrated east around the same time and and uh, and became established and has changed so many things the last thirty, forty, fifty years. Yeah, incredible. And it's it's amazing to me that the deer population is the way it is with the coyote population the way it is. Yeah. You know, you can't get anywhere online and not hear about Ohio being a deer state, you know, a big buck state. And, and then, you know, during gun law, you talk to anybody like, oh, yeah, we killed three coyotes this week or yeah, we killed one yesterday. We killed two yesterday. <laughs> and that it's all that's anybody wants to do is kill coyotes anymore. Yeah, and then we'll we'll have to see what, what if that market ever changes, you know, and that the value of the pelts goes way down. It'll be interesting to yep. see if if that changes the the coyote harvest because it's pretty high right now in most places. Yeah, you know, I have a couple buddies out west that they hunt them thermals in South Dakota and uh, Sand Hills and uh, part of Nebraska, and they kill hundreds of them out there. Mm. And it's amazing that, you know, they send me pictures. They kill 18, 19, 20 a night. Jeez. And I'm thinking, you'd have to run 100 miles up here just to see that many. Right. Yeah. And, but, it's, you know, there's a huge number difference between, and I think Clark, uh, Clint Locklear's one book, The Eastern uh, Eastern Wolfer. Yeah. He talked about the difference between, you know, the Western population of, you know, going in and cutting the cream of the crop out and then moving on. Well, you can't really do that on the east. The, you know, out here, you know, you don't really have a cream and then you just let it reestablish itself. You know. Yeah. And he talked about he talked about it in that book. Yeah, eastern. You know, a hundred coyotes in the east is a big deal. Oh, uh, definitely. A hundred coyotes out west in the Dakotas and Montana. You know, it's uh, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. That was a good weekend for him. <laughs> not to say that it's not it's still a challenge. It, it certainly yeah. is, but but it's just a whole different ball game. You know, you have different populations. We don't have as many coyotes, and also yeah. the regulations are so much different. Where you can do a lot yeah. more out there. Yeah, yeah, especially like the the thermal you know, thermal imaging has went a long way in the last ten years, and has really, I think, increased the coyote kill. Just because of that, you know, a lot of the states you can hunt in your truck. You can sit in the bed of your truck with a call and use a thermal and not have a projected light. Yeah. Ohio, you can use a thermal, but you have to have a quarter mile light. You can see a quarter mile away, or I think it's quarter of a mile, one of the two. Okay. And you have to be able to see that light all the time from 360 degrees. Is that, is so, that kind of a safety regulation? I, I, th- I think, I think so. So it kind of eliminates the thermal. There's no reason to get a thermal because you have to have a light on anyway. Yeah. So you might as well just run a red light on them. Right. Hmm. It's crazy, though. Hmm. Like, looking at the numbers that even trappers can take out west. You know, I bust my butt for two and a half months, and 30 is a good number for me. Yeah. yeah. And that's an exceptional season for me, and that's... You know, I'm running. You're working hard for that. <laughs> two and a half, two and a half months hard. Yeah, yeah. So, so the daily, so daily checks for for a couple months. That's gonna grind on you pretty good. Yeah, it does, and it grinds on the family life, and especially when I get home, and I like, I like, you know, I like to get stuff skinned right away before. I hate putting stuff in the freezer and waiting. Yeah, especially coyotes because they're. Oh, horrible yeah. to skin with a frozen. Be careful with them, yeah. Yeah. And then, and, they, and then you you don't thaw them out too quick enough, and or you thaw them out too quick, get them too warm, you get the belly gets green, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it, you know it. You know I have my wife is awesome, and she lets you know she says she hates strapping season, but <laughs> I think she's just saying that to say it. And my kids, they love it. They, you know, like I said before, they they run with me as much as they can. Yeah. You know, in the mornings, I take them to school every day, and 
they, I usually check traps on the way to work or on the way to school, drop them off, and you know they're they're giddy when I wake them up at six o'clock in the morning. Say, like, come on, we got to get ready, so we're gonna check traps, and they jump right up yeah. and they're going. Yeah, absolutely. And they love it, and but it, it's amazing up here again on the numbers. You know, I think my best on one farm ever is nine, and that's probably like a twelve hundred acre block. Hmm. And that that's nine. I caught nine in seven days, all from the same three traps. Wow. And it was the whole family. You know, I, I eliminated, it was literally, I think I had two, I caught a double two days in a row, and then it was just singles every day after that. Hmm. And, and then literally the next year, I can't catch a coyote on that farm to save my life. Wow. Huh. So they, So and, it wasn't like there was a bunch nearby that filtered in. Yeah, yeah, and I think, especially up around here, they, you know, they follow the train, and they have their segments, and there's probably huge sections that there's not even a coyote steps on, hmm. because there's no reason for them to be there, Yeah, you know, when you can go two miles in one direction, and you don't even hit anything but corn stubble or bean stubble. Yeah, so the middle, the middle of a crop field, there's no reason for them to be there, really, right? There's absolutely no reason to be there. And I actually, tonight, before I talk to you, the last two mornings I've drove by one of the farms I've always trapped, and there's a grass strip that's probably like a quarter mile long, right in the middle of the field, and I don't know why it's there. It's never been there before. It's 10 feet wide and a quarter mile long, and I've seen a coyote there every morning, or for the last two mornings, there's been a coyote standing out there. Really? And I pulled in there tonight and said, hey, I'll let you know you'll see my truck tomorrow. I got to put a stop to this one. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the terrain is huge here. You know, there's a lot of river bottom ground that has a lot of timber on it. But, you know, the, the coyotes have their set pathways and there's huge sections that, yeah, I might have a farm of 5,000 acres to trap, but there's only 100 acres of it that are even worth even stepping on. Wow. Because all the other ground, there's, they might cut across the middle of a wide open field once in a year just because they wanted to go over here instead. Yeah. But, you know, that's the trouble we have up here now. It's everything's so fast and huge. And Yeah, so the, the farms have gotten bigger and bigger over time and consolidated. And yeah. So you yeah. don't have that, all those boundaries and the strips yep. of vegetation and, the, and, and there's that. and there's no livestock anymore yeah. you know nobody has livestock in ohio hardly and there's no fences and but the one good thing is crp that conservation grass there's a lot of people getting involved with it and uh you know setting whole farms up and that set aside grass mm -hmm. the switch grass and big brome and which is great habitat for birds and turkeys and rabbits and deer well when all those are all there that's where the coyotes <laughs> are going to be sure and it, it's helping out a lot and open up more areas for me to trap yeah just because of that hmm. that's good so running these sets all the time and you know for this period you get any advice for people who are have issues with time management or finding time uh, to, to trap my big thing is turning around like I everything is mapped out it's in my head now mapped out because I you know I've trapped the same farm for years but I don't ever want to get myself in a position where I have to backtrack myself mm -hmm. everything gets ran I'm going one direction the whole way uh, there's never any point that I have to literally drive back through my tracks to check traps that day yeah okay you know, I have an east line and a west line, which usually in the mornings the east line gets checked in the morning, and at night the west line gets track, tra checked. And so I'm never backtracking myself either on either side. And that's, for me, the direction I go in the morning, that's my east side, and all of that gets checked. And when I get back around, you know, the west stuff is pretty close to around my house and stuff that only takes... Uh, 30 minutes to drive it but and it's all one way and and i always end up at the same spot every day 
Yeah. I check it. I check everything the same direction every day, and come back the same way every day. And it that's huge for me of how my my farms are set up. That it's amazing how much if you backtrack yourself four or five times a day, and it's even just two minutes. But that's mm -hmm. that adds you know up. yeah ten times a day. That's you know twenty minutes you've lost yeah. of literally driving back through what you've already looked at. Oh, that's a good and a lot of and all my coon traps. I run all my coon traps from the road. All my property permissions are right around bridge abutments and culvert pipes and you know low ground drainage stuff like that where the coon are running. And everything's right by the road to where I don't even I slow the truck down to twenty mile an hour and can check them. And if I have to stop, I stop. If I don't, I just keep going. Yeah. And you know most big. You know, creek crossings or river crossings, I might have two, four, six, eight traps at one bridge. Hmm. You know, all four points of that bridge for the intersection, and I check them all and just go on the fly. But I know a lot of my coon stuff, you know, I'll run them for a week, week and a half, and the second I go two days without catching something, they're gone. They're yeah. going somewhere else, you know. <laughs> There's so many. There's only so many coon running a creek bank, and it doesn't take long to catch them. Do you run into other trappers when you're road trapping like that? Uh, I don't. I, I there's one guy north of me that traps, and he's trapped as long as I have, and he has his area. I have mine, and I've known him my entire life. And we we get along real well, and but I run my stuff and. I don't really see anybody. Hmm. I don't see deer. I don't see deer hunters. I don't see, I usually just every now and again, the farmer or something stop and want to talk to me. and want to know what I'm catching and, yeah. or tell me he's got a coon in the barn driving him nuts. <laughs> stuff like that. But yeah. other than that, I don't really run into people the whole time. Nice. And I'm, and let everybody, you know, when you trap something for, as long as I have the farms, as long as I have, everyone knows me. Everybody knows what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I don't get any questions of people coming back and saying, hey, what's going on? You know, what are you doing? You know. Yeah, you, game you probably worked through that the first few years. Yeah, yeah. And our game warden, you know, he's a real good buddy of mine, and he knows what I'm doing. And if he sees me, he knows exactly what I'm doing on that farm then. And yeah. He might throw me a text or call me or something, see how everything's going. But, uh, you know, it's been so many years that I don't get bothered by anyone. That's good. That's There's advantages to, to working hard on a line and running it for that many years that yeah. you kind of get into a system there and everything kind of seems to, to work quite well. Yeah, and, and I, I love it now. You know, you like you said, the first couple of years on a new farm, you know, you get phone calls. Or the neighbor sees you pull into somebody's barnyard or something and they want to know what's going on. And, you know, for me, all my landowners, all, especially my new ones that don't really know me as well as my old, my the ones I've been on for 20 plus years, you know, I go talk to them personally. I show them my traps I'm using for everything. I give them my phone number, my address, and the description of my truck, my license plate number. Yeah. And I tell them, hey, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, if you see something, you have a question, feel free to call me. Call me any time of the day. If you see if you see me and want to know what's going on, call me. Yeah. And and that has worked out extremely well for me over the years of building a relationship with all these landowners. And they know I'm not tearing their fields up. They know I'm you know, when it gets wet and I can't drive my truck, you know, I drive a three-quarter ton pickup truck that's heavy. Mm. And when it gets wet, I pull my side-by-side -side on the trailer and I'll unload it when I have to to where I'm not tearing stuff up. And, uh, you know, respect gets a long way with landowners letting you be on their property. Yeah, for sure. And, and of course, they talk they talk amongst each other, too. Oh, definitely. Definitely, they, they do. And... You know, you pull into a farm and you see somebody struggling to do something. You help them out. Uh, stop, get out. What do you mean to do? And, you know, I had an old guy 
last year he was I was checking traffic. I was actually putting traps in and that tractor was in the woods and I heard banging and clanging. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I was pulling out and I drove by him and, and he's in his like mid nineties. Jeez. And he cut firewood every day. That's what he did. Well, he had a tractor a runner trying to roll a big chunk of firewood in the bucket and couldn't get in the bucket. And then he's just dri- driving all over trying to get to roll up in the bucket and couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I stopped the truck and, and I walked up there. I'm like, oh, you know, put it in park for me so you don't run me over. <laughs> and he put it in park. I went up and just flipped it in the bucket. And he's like, oh, man, what would it be to be 60 years younger? <laughs> 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 but, you know, stuff like that, you know, gets you so much more. Oh, yeah. Gets you so much farther in life with, you know, getting permissions. And, you know, I, I'm happy to say that any piece of property – within four or five miles of me in any direction i can make one phone call and they know me personally and i can ask them anything and i can get i can go traffic nice and you know that that's that's huge to me that you know the respect part of it yeah you know i'm a i'm a farm owner myself and i don't want people on me you know i give people permission to hunt and do all that but i don't want them driving across the field in a pickup truck direct you know rutting everything up and yeah tearing stuff up so did, did you grow up farming uh yeah, yeah. yep I, I did it uh, for a while and out of high school i moved out to montana and lived in uh, white sulfur springs for a while nice what'd you do up there uh i was a cowboy uh, yeah there's not much else to do up there <laughs> i've been i've no, driven through there no. there's not much there uh, I went there just for that experience. I wasn't going to make a life of it. Yeah. I just wanted to say I did it. Yeah. And I did it for a couple cabin seasons. And finally, I just had enough of it one day. I said, you know, I'm going home. You know, I'm, I'm ready to go home now. And I did some trapping out there, just nuisance stuff around the ranch for some coyotes and stuff. And But you're so busy, you know, with cattle, you, you don't have time to do anything. Yeah. It was a good experience, and I'm glad I did it. Yeah. But you settled back home. And and finally, the question that we still haven't asked you after all this conversation is, how'd you get started trapping? Well, my great-granddad, I was young, and my great-granddad was always like the town trapper. Like if somebody had some, some problem, coon in her garage or something like that, they would always call him mm. or go get him, I should say. And he he was like the town nuisance guy. Well, we ran field trial dogs and ran coon hounds for years, and I kind of just picked it up one day, and and I know it might sound dumb, but I just thought, like, with my great-granddad, and said, you know, I think I, I want to start trapping. And because I'd always be with him, checking live traps and doing all that, and he kind of set me up with a few leg holds and a couple 110 conner bears, and I started trapping rats out the farm and loved it. Absolutely loved it. You know, I couldn't wake up early enough every day to go check them before mm-hmm. school, and and I had to walk everything. And my first year trapping, I had some Duke one and a half leg holds that were no modifications, nothing, and I was. I don't know, 11, 10, 11, something like that. And I went to a trapper's convention in Ohio and sat through some of the seminars and watched some of that stuff. And I made my first coyote set ever. And I caught a coyote like three days later <laughs> in, a Duke one, in a Duke one and a half. Wow. And from that point on, the only thing I wanted, like, it was coyotes. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I still trap rats and mink and coon and but coyotes are my drive and you know I'm yeah you know, I'm pushing twenty you know right at twenty five years of the urge for coyotes <laughs> and it and hasn't gotten old place, yet huh no not yet no and the first place that I've caught I caught my caught my first coyote was caught I catch at least one coyote in the same twenty foot spot. I have caught a coyote every year since. 
That's amazing. At least one, at least one, if not two. <laughs> wow. And it's one of them spots which I bought our old farmhouse and the house I grew up in, and the trap where I caught that kite was right out the back kitchen window, like four hundred yards out across the field. And I I set them traps and my boys know where they are, so every morning they're up and they're, they're checking waiting. Them. <laughs> You wait till you can see, and then they're like, oh, there ain't nothing in it today, Dad. <laughs> and then, sure enough, it'd be a little black dot out there in the field, and, oh, you caught something, let's go out there. And, and you know, the kid thing, I, I did it, I've always done it, and I love it, but ever since my boys got older and could understand it, and they got the drive to do it, and my oldest son runs his own coon line nice. at the house. He runs about a dozen dog proofs back in the woods and back the lane, and and that that's what gets me now. It's I love seeing them and love to see them get excited just as much as I do when we pull up to a coyote, and they're they're hooping and hollering and carrying on, and <laughs> they'll and my wife she won't sit in the first shed. I got my own first shed, and she won't go out there when I'm skinning. She says it's disgusting. <laughs> but, I got a big screen with a Nintendo hooked up to it, and the boys would come out and watch movies with me while I'm skinning, and they're asking questions the whole time. You know, yeah. what, what, you know, what, what, why are you cutting it like that? Well, you know, or fleshing questions, and yeah, I finally, I finally got my oldest son skinning coon now, and he's not quite as quick as I am. He thinks he is, but he's not. <laughs> How old is he? Twelve. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's getting one the other night, and. He's like, time me. I said, okay, I'll time you. And I think he was at like 22 minutes, yeah. something. He's like, I think I'm getting close to catching you. I said, yep, you are. <laughs> yep, you are. Oh, boy, that's fun. That's fun for sure. Yeah. So. All right, well, thanks a lot for coming on, man. I It was fun talking with you. Hey, I enjoyed the crap out of it. Yeah. All right, well, uh, appreciate it and hope – Hope you have a great rest of the trapping season. Let's do it again sometime. You too. I hope you uh, start catching some stuff in the smell. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, 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 I want to. I want to see pictures. Right on. Right on. I get it. Yeah. I get to put some pictures up. I'm mostly transitioning to beaver trapping right now. Um, see, our beaver season comes in the uh, day after Christmas, so we can't. I don't even get involved with them. And then it's all froze up, and we can't even trap them. Oh, yeah. I hate doing I hate doing under ice trapping. <laughs> that, that, that that'll be another podcast later. We'll talk about that. Yes, yes. If you try it, we'll talk about uh, your experiences under ice trapping. Yeah, and I'll make you a huge list of questions for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Will. We'll talk with you later. All right, well, appreciate it. All right, take care. <laughs>